You are listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary at Iwu. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care. So just kidding, uh, my name is John Drury. I teach theology here at Wesley Seminary, and I will be your host uh, this week, although I'm also kind of just kidding on that as well. Because my co-host is Aaron Perry, your usual co-host. Can't get away from me. Cannot get away from me. And we wanted to try something new uh, this week and actually for a season, for this Easter season. It's something we're calling Fresh Text. So this is Fresh Text uh, Season 1, Episode 1, which is, I guess, an act of faith. It's a pilot episode. See how long it lasts. But Season 1, Episode (laughs) 1, and our idea behind Fresh Text is to have a gathering of Uh, folks who love the scriptures and are students of the scriptures and love preaching, love the church, have lots of loves. And the idea is that we would have a text that's a likely one to be preached on the upcoming Sunday. Um, We're going to take our cues from what's called the Revised Common Lectionary. We may say more about that um, later at another time. Um, So we're going to just pick a text that we think is likely to be preached that coming Sunday and think, hey, this will drop on early Monday morning and pastors and anybody for that matter could take a listen. If you're preparing some kind of Sunday school teaching, you're preparing a sermon, you, you know, might hear a few ideas, but our idea is this would be an unscripted and unprepared conversation. So this would be like that first moment of opening the text, getting ready to preach a sermon. So neither Aaron or I have prepared anything other than just years of preparation as students uh, (laughs) to just kind of jump in and and talk about a text to share some ideas that we see when we when we open it up. So, anything you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I think it, if you're if you're listening along, just grab a Bible, or uh, if you can, when we announce what the text is, give it a read. So it's kind of in your mind, and that you can think about conversing with us as we talk about it. That some of your own thoughts are going to be start to be formed. And uh, a great a great resource for students that aren't familiar with the uh, lectionary is a website called TextWeek.com. T-E-X-T-W-E-E-K.com, textweek.com, and it lays out all uh, lectionary readings for the year. So if you want to get more familiar with the lectionary, you can check out that website. Nice. Um, so the uh, the basic outline for our conversation, we don't have a script, but we have a basic outline, which I um, have not shared with Aaron, so I get to surprise him with it now, see if he likes it. Uh, too bad if not, uh, <laughs> is to read the passage. And then spend some time kind of commenting on it, just whatever's jumping out at us, things we remember from our studies, ideas that pop up in the moment, have a free-flowing conversation. And then somewhere about halfway through, we'll transition and kind of swap sermon ideas. Like, okay, if I was preaching it this Sunday, what were, how would I run with this? You know, because a lot of the stuff you do when you're studying a passage, you leave it on the desk, it never makes it into the sermon, but it might inspire it or ground it. So we'll kind of half and half and... And then we'll end with, uh, 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 you know, a prayer or a poem or something that connects to the passage that we have on hand. Every good sermon ends with a poem. <laughs> so we have to have a poem in this discussion. <laughs> he sighs the Zinek on. Ask Lenny Lucetti. He knows. <laughs> All right. So uh, um, the fresh text for this week, uh, for this upcoming Sunday, which would be uh, the second Sunday of Easter the second Sunday of Easter is the gospel according to St. John uh, chapter uh, 20 verses 19 through 
uh, 31, 19 through 31. And why this lands on the second Sunday of Easter should be pretty obvious as we unfold. So I'll go ahead and read, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. On the evening of that very day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Judeans, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, it is retained. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, or the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Uh, stop disbelieving, start believing. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What pops right out at you? Um, what pops out to me right away is, are the time signatures that John gives in this account. Uh, I mean, peppered all the way through the gospel are, are key moments. John is signifying different feasts and festivals. Passover, of course, is a common theme. The timing uh, of the first the first week of Jesus's ministry and the occurrence of the, the wedding at Cana, these are just replete through the gospel of John. And so this, this passage starts out with on the first day of the week, right? There's a, there's a, a sign to us that there, that there's something fresh. There's something new happening here. Um, that leaps out to me. And then signaling again, that it's, it's a week later or eight days later that there's this, there's this rhythm happening of, of newness that, that the appearance and the presence of Jesus is signaling this, this newness of time. Oh man, now that's really good. Uh, that the rhythms of time that were so highlighted in the previous, in the gospel up to this point, I mean, in some sense are being fulfilled now yeah. in this new rhythm that is 
seems pretty obviously to me to be like winking, like, ha ha, gather on Sunday night and Jesus will show <laughs> up, right? Um, just a little exegetical side note, this phrase after eight days, right, can be a little misleading because it can sound like, you know, okay, Sunday is the first day of the week. So we're talking like Monday, Tuesday, right? So from the little study I've done, I guess after can be used to mean at, at the completion of those many days. And it, at, at best, actually, could be translated on the eighth day. And if you count the first day, yep. right, yep. Uh, that's the next Sunday, right? So even you may have a translation sitting in front of you today or some other time when you're looking at it that even says seven days later. Yep. Or which a week may, later. Yep. Yeah, or a week later, because this is an expression that, that means on the eighth day, meaning if you count Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's eight, right? So... I don't know. I just thought I'd mention that because sometimes that can throw off, but it's, it's signaling one week later. Right. Um, John, I think, I think that always what stands out to me is just the, the question. Of course, we should always feel comfortable asking questions of the text. That's how we, we delve into it and start to, to go deeper into it. It's just this phrase. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Or if you retain them, they are retained. Right. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it sounds so, strange mm -hmm. you know the first part sure like we, we get that that jesus has has come that uh through through john's gospel he has said he has not come to judge but the word will the word will judge the law will judge but he has come as john says that they may have life he has come not to condemn but to save mm -hmm. and so we get the first part right they're they're going to express the forgiveness of god through the word the preached word of jesus but Retain, retain sense. I mean, it's just so confusing. It's strange. It's a strange phrase to, to hear. Yeah. I don't have a lot great to do with this. I do, I do immediately think of the, the parallel in Matthew chapter, what is it, 16, when Peter, when Jesus says to Peter after he confesses that, that Jesus is the Christ, you know, says, you know, and you are the rock on which I will build the church. You know, and I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom mm -hmm. and gates of hell will not prevail against it. And any sins you forgive, it's not sins there, I think. Yeah, whatever whatever uh, you bind on earth will bind. be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Yeah, yeah. so binding and loosing. Yeah. Um, it's the same exact kind of pattern. <clears throat> yeah. Um, this is one of those great examples where the gospels don't seem to have agreement. It happens at a different time. The language is so different. Yeah. It's said just to Peter there. It's said yeah. to 10 of them here. And yet that ironically actually supports the idea that something historical something. happened, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's being remembered in slightly different ways. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a longstanding tradition that the, the church as a whole, just like in Matthew 18, you know, you, you go to the person if they don't, uh, you know, repent, you bring a friend. If they don't repent, you bring it to the old church. And then if the decision's made, then Jesus says, I'm there with you. I'll back you up. Um, there is a, some sense that Jesus has granted how that's mediated is a big debate, but that, that he has granted to us this power that he himself had, which is to mm -hmm. forgive sins um, and to not. It's quite clear from the teachings of Jesus that the not retaining of sins would not be arbitrary based on whether we like somebody or not. It's, been, it's based on their lack of <laughs> repentance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, but this passage alone, you couldn't support that, but elsewhere. And as Jesus says, he says, I didn't come to judge. He says, my words will judge you. Yeah. It's kind of like there is judgment, but yeah. the judgment is what you do with the good news, the gospel. It's not the judgment that we declare ourselves. It's the, 
you know, the, the truth stands and our response to it is the determinative factor, I guess, but it's still a strange, it's still a strange phrase. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there might be, there might be part of it where this gospel is the last gospel written. The church is growing in its establishment. And yet then there's, there's seemingly this affirmation of the role of the spirit in giving wisdom and discernment mm-hmm. that isn't strictly about structure. Not strictly about the, the structure and order, but there's the there's the importance of, of community. There's the importance of relying on the spirit. There's the importance of of um, being filled. Right. There's this is a this is a kind of Pentecostal passage, which was a passage that which Pentecost itself is a, a situation that affirms the community of the church and the presence of God in them. So there might there might be something happening there that this might be instead of affirming an individual judgment, but is is helping them oh. to have a sense of of confidence as a community. And that that the presence of Jesus is there by His Spirit. Right? The Spirit is mediating Jesus's presence and His and His wisdom, so that they can boldly proclaim um, and stay on the rails, so to speak, to stay on track as a, a community grounded on on Him and believing in Him. Yeah, I think that's spot on. The parallel to Pentecost is striking. It's typical of John. You mentioned he signals. He, he makes lots of references to time, but he also jacks with time all the you know all the time. He's always got stuff in weird yeah, spots. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's got the clearing of the temple at the beginning, like yeah. two years before. What? You know. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, like the whole thing that's extended in Luke, where you've got Jesus raised forty days later, ascended ten days later, pours out the Spirit. That kind of all gets foreshortened into one chapter, one day. And John, yep. you know, he's like raised. Yep. He sends the Father. Yep. He comes back. Yep. He pours out the Spirit. And you get this very clear teaching that just like in, in Luke, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you'll be my witnesses. He sends them out. It's the great commission. This is John's great commission. Yeah. Because yep. he says, just as the father sent me, so I send you. So just as, so just as the father sent me with a word that brings forgiveness, if accepted and brings judgment, if refused, which is exactly what's been happening for 20 chapters in the same way. Now you have that authority and it's, you know, it's, it's apostello. Apostolkain, I send you, which is the root word for apostle, sent one. Yeah. So they are being sent as apostles. And you're right about it being a late book. That's important that the there's good evidence that the apostles have all died off or at best one left when this is being written. Mm-hmm. So there might be some anxiety in the church. Mm-hmm. Do we have authority? Obviously, the apostles knew Jesus. They can speak for him. Um, but ooh, what? well, the whole point is it's been handed on. Actually, yes. that makes me think of even the Sunday thing. Yeah. Here we are gathered on Sunday evening, you know, week after week. That is the church. That's the church. It's not about the the 12. They've died now. Yep. But the church that gathers together, when we gather, when two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them supporting the discernment. But you're right. It's about discernment, not about just individual lack of forgiveness. This is not a justification of being unforgiving (laughs) at all. It's the opposite of it. Jesus says, all right, I'm gone. So you can all be jerks. (laughs) Uh, you know that 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 be a jerk as I was a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking when when you said that like the disciples are gone, they're 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 past. Peter has this. I, I don't want to get us off track. I want to stay on this text, but there's something that's springing to mind with me. Is Peter has this this important role, and yet there's this even at the very last of it, whenever Jesus has reinstated Peter, right? The three do you love me, corresponding to undoing mm. his his three threefold denial. But then even at the end of it, it says that Peter turned and is like, Lord, what about him? Right. What, what about what about him? You know, and there's still kind of this anxiety with Peter. And I was just reading in John the other day. I found it so interesting that it, it's Martha 
who has the confession of the of Christ as Lord in, in the Gospel of John, right? Um, I'm not going to be able to find it in the moment. I know it's... It's uh, chapter 11, 11, verse 30, maybe? See, look at that. He knows it right off the top of his head. Uh, to show off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's Mary earlier, 20. Just, just before, verse 27. Um, Jesus has come to raise Lazarus. And she has this moment of saying, if you had been here, right? Like this, mm. this, if you had kind of frustration and then, and then he's kind of prodding her again. And, and, and he says to her, your brother will rise again. She says, I know he's going to rise at the resurrection of the last day. Mm. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and she responds by saying, uh, chapter 11, verse 27, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world, right? She yeah. has the confession rather than Peter, right? Traditionally, Peter has a confession. Maybe there's this sense that, that the confession of Christ is put into the mouths of people that we don't, we might not uh -huh. look to in the first uh -huh. place, right? And so to be listening for the forgiveness of sin from a person who doesn't uh -huh. always, um, who we might want to think that they, they are the ones who speak on behalf of the community. And, and to hear a word of judgment or or of caution from a person who th we don't always think that they speak on behalf of the community. There's a humility maybe built into this forgiveness and retain Especially retention of sins. Especially think of it as a community and not just as a, a leader. It's yeah. Like a top. It's not necessarily a top-down yeah. uh, notion. That actually maybe is a good segue into the second half of the passage, which uh, you know a lot of people may end up just preaching just that second half, the Thomas yeah. sequence. You know, because... You know, he, he, here's a guy who, as far as we know, we should regard as sharing in this. Well, let me just put it this way. Um, why do I have an alarm on? What is that all about? Uh, the uh, Leave it in. No, I, I don't know. Take it out, leave it in. I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me put it this way. Thomas is not with them when he pours out the Holy Spirit, commissions them, and grants them the authority to mm. forgive sins. But there's no reason to believe that he doesn't also participate in that, right? There's no separate story, or it's not like Jesus, like, uh, you know, after the camera wraps up, he's like, oh, by the way, let me quick breathe my spirit on you. Like, like I, I mean, you wonder if even John wants us to know, yeah, there were people yeah. that weren't there the first week, yeah, but they're now a part of it. Yeah. And the next week, and the next week, and the next week, all the way down thousands of Sundays, Yes. Later, whenever we gather together, whether we see him or not, he is present. And we do see him in the community, in the breaking of the bread, in the word that's spoken. He is encountering us. And we are being granted again and again this authority. Uh, so if Thomas is also included in this, then so also is Martha. So mm -hmm. also are you, I, um, it, all sorts of anybody who's a part of the community in any way, even if they're there doubting. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's not actually, he's, he's <laughs> demanding as much as doubting. You know, he's like, I want to see the evidence. Yeah. But it, I mean, just thinking about Thomas leading us in confession. He's the one who then confesses yeah. my Lord and my God, which we can even think of as a potential for forgiveness and a potential for retention of sin. That if, if I mean, that's a phrase that's, that's obviously given to um, Domitian. In the in the uh, later half or the later part of the of the first century, that Domitian is confessed as Lord and God, and it's like whenever Thomas mm. is saying, "My Lord and my God," if even Domitian is to accept, "Yes, Jesus is Lord and God," then mm. that's a forgiving word. If if Domitian says, "No, I'm Lord and God," 
then it's a it's a condemning word because that <gasps> Thomas's word doesn't change, right? Thomas's word is the true confession, uh-huh. and I wonder if there's a if there's a little bit of a parallel there that that the proclaimed word is is the two edged sword. On one hand, it has yeah. the ability to cut sins off from us as we repent in response. On the other hand, it has the ability to retain sins against us if repentance isn't our our approach. And we have that ourselves, right? Whenever we are are faced with with Jesus and his and his demands on our lives. Um, our forgive forgiveness of sin is, is present whenever we turn, and we, and we are turned towards our gracious Lord, and and yet they are retained whenever we hear the word and we don't respond in repentance. They the word of Jesus doesn't change; His lordship isn't changing. Yeah, it's one and the same word. Yeah, it's not a yeah. word of forgiveness right. and a word of judgment. It's a word of truth. Yeah, that brings forgiveness when received, and brings judgment when rejected. Yeah. Wow, you're right. Everyone, everybody but Peter is getting the, the killer lines, <laughs> which is one of those subtle things in John. It's always be like, yeah, Peter's the boss. He, he doesn't say he's not the leader, but he's not the whole thing. Yeah, right? yeah, he yeah, speak yeah. for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is a really empowering word. It's an empowering word yes. for the community that they have faith. They can they can trust that what's been passed on to them. And yet they can have confidence that, that they have ways to contribute as well. Right. Yeah. The, the community is going to is going to carry on. I mean, you think about some of the words that Jesus has. Um, that they will see greater things. I mean, this is this is yeah. through the Gospel of John. Like, you're going to see greater things, and we can expect that it, that greater things are going to be. This is the confidence of John, not just in the community, but in the in the true lordship of Christ. Right in the being faced with the resurrected one, he's so confident that Jesus is going to continue this mission, even even unto those who believe, even though they don't see. Right? Yeah. yeah. I hadn't even occurred to me that the greater things line back from chapter what thirteen fourteen is being signaled here i mean the, maybe the no but it is because the pouring out of the spirit and him sending yeah. them yeah. is clearly now that starts he's yeah. when he said you'll be doing greater things he wasn't talking about what they're going to do on friday or saturday yeah yeah yeah, yeah now yeah. that you have the spirit and yeah. then and then further in the passage what you just referenced the believing like when he says you know jesus said you saw and so believed right which is a little allusion back to the beginning when when he said the what was it Nathaniel? I said yeah, all, all you did is I said that I saw you under the fig tree yeah. and you believe yeah. <laughs> greater things you will yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's saying, okay, you saw me and believe, and then you, I almost sense like because this is the last line of Jesus in the gospel, other than twenty one, which is kind of an epilogue or like a like a little uh uh, uh you know like the uh, it's sort of like a little extra episode it goes black and then adds on this one little little story, but you know this is mm-hmm. last line from Jesus in the yep. the gospel proper. And it's almost like he turns to the camera and says, mm. blessed are those yeah. who having not seen yeah. believe because he knows he's, he's, that's us. That, that's the readers of this book, yeah. you know, yeah. who have lost even the ones he saw. They're now dying off. You know, blessed are you who without seeing believe. He's saying it's actually better. <laughs> We're actually in the better position than Thomas, you know, that we are, you know, believing. And then when it, then the next line, when it says, um, that, you know, he did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And it's like, okay, obviously the first layer of meaning is John's like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you read those other gospels and there's a whole bunch of cool stuff in there, but I'm not going into all that. Like, don't get on my case. Um, <laughs> it's not just even, it's both resurrection, but even wider, the whole book. He's like, yeah, yeah I know I only have like seven miracles and the others have like 30, but I, I know, I know, I know. I want to just give you these. So you believe, but it feels like there could be a little bit of a deeper meaning because we too are disciples. 
And it's also referring to the fact that he's still performing signs yeah. in and through us, perhaps. I mean, these are extra layers, but John tends to invite these kind of layer readings. I, I wonder if there's a, we can bring it to a layer. So in the, the first part of the gospel, John has these seven signs, seven miracles. And then, and then whenever some Greeks come to see Jesus, there's a, there's a turn in the gospel and you move. Jesus says that his hour has now come yeah. and John spends his last half of the book talking about Jesus, Jesus' crucifixion and going, going to his death. Um, and you have kind of have this, this broad distinction, like the first half is momentum and there's signs. There is conflict, of course, because some people are refusing to see even what's in front of their eyes. Um, but there's still momentum, right? The whole, the Pharisees say the whole world is going to him, right? There's a sense of momentum. And then at the end, uh, and then as it shifts into moving towards the crucifixion, you've got this lack of momentum and, and kind of things slowing, slowing down. And I'm wondering, even in this passage, you've kind of got that momentum ramping up and then this pause where Jesus appears to the disciples and he has this Pentecostal moment with them. He gives them this teaching. And then it says, uh, Thomas is, is not with them. And it's kind of, there's this moment of, well, wait a second. Why, why am I not seeing this? And John gives us this pause a week later or on the eighth day or after, after seven days, right? There's this, even in Thomas's life, there's this kind of like momentum ramping up and then he misses the moment that he wished he would have been there for. And then there's a pause, right? There's a pause of a week where you guys told me like, why is he showing up on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday uh, or Thursday? There's, there's this pause where the signs are kind of gone and he's, and he's got to wait. He's got to wait to see it again. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's a layer there or not, but it, there's something there's something that feels. I, I just put myself in Thomas' shoes, and that would be the the crappiest week of your life. Yeah, I mean that would just be a week of jealousy and frustration. Maybe maybe even a bit of like like digging at the disciples to say like you, you guys are crazy, right? Like like this is sure. like this, yeah yeah right. You know, it's like Snuffleupagus. You know, yeah sure sure. You know, I missed them again. Yeah right. Thanks guys. I don't know. You know, the week after that, they were teasing him, <laughs> especially because in the next chapter, we won't get into it, but it mentions seven disciples that are up fishing and Thomas is listed with them. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like, I am <laughs> never not being with these guys just yeah, right. in case Jesus right, right. ever shows up again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah. I don't think it's implied that, that, that they knew that the appearances would come on this kind yeah. of weekly rhythm. Right, right. That's yeah. us as readers seeing back yeah. that, that that the Lord's day is the day of presence, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's and, really and good. That might yeah, be there's in, so many layers. Just to call him the doubting Thomas is just baloney. Oh, and it's, it's not even a term in the passage. Uh, so, well, yeah. yeah, he's, he's the one whenever, whenever he's going to raise Lazarus and they're like, Lord, they want to kill you there. Thomas says, let's go. We'll, we'll die too. Right. Like he's got this courage to go with mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, there's a, he, he speaks up whenever they're like, uh, you know, Jesus is describing himself as the way Thomas is like, Lord, we actually don't know what you're talking about. Like, we don't, we don't know what you mean by that. And, and he's, he's a like, straight shooter. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, he is a straight shooter. You know, he's just, he's right. He just says, says what's on his mind. He's got courage. And I he mean, says all what all of them would have said that afternoon. He's, yeah. You know, they didn't buy it when Mary Magdalene came. Like, that's some yeah. crazy lady. She didn't know what she's talking about, you know? And I mean, uh, inter, I mean, tradition says that Thomas is the one who carried the gospel furthest geographically, mm-hmm. right into into India, and there still are Christians of Saint Thomas today that in India. So I mean, there, we don't want to give him a bad rap. There's there's a there's a depth to him even in the short passage, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even a depth psychologically of being a twin. I mean, his name Thomas means twin, 
right? Mm-hmm. Tayoma, John says, don't miss it. Didymus as well, mm-hmm. you know, means twin. And and maybe here's a person whose life has always been paired with another person. So that that's his distinguishing feature is that he looks exactly like somebody else. And mm-hmm. now he's missed it, right? Now he's the one on the outside rather than always being the one with uh, somebody. Now he's the one on the outside and has missed it, right? Huh. Like, come on. Yeah, you Interesting. Know. <laughs> right, because the only difference between the two moments is that he's with them. He wasn't with them. Yeah. And then he was with him. Yeah. The, yeah. de- the deciding difference on his side is that he doesn't actually move himself from not believing to believing. Hmm. He moves himself from being not with them yes. to being with them. Yes. And then by being with them, the opportunity to believe comes yeah. through Jesus' appearance, through Jesus' words of peace, yeah. right? Through Jesus' words of, you know, stop not believing, start believing. I, I it always kind of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm picky, but it always bugs me when translations say stop doubting, start believing. There is a Greek word for doubt. It's not this word. This mm. is just stop unbelieving, start believing. It's just a, the negation of believing. It's apistos rather than pistos. Okay. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the, the this other word in Adiakrano or whatever that appears like in James. Don't be a, a, a doubter when you ask okay. who, who's double-minded, moving to and fro. It's not the... Doubting is, I kind of believe it, but I kind of don't. You're going back and forth. You're going back and forth, right? And that's also something worth talking about. But this passage is a little bit more about just unfaith, Mm. non-faith, you know? And he needs to see to believe. And Jesus grants him that just like the rest of the disciples, just like John says in chapter 1. We saw his glory. That That's part of what makes him an apostle in a way that's distinct from us, is that he saw and believed, right? But it's an extra blessing for us who, without seeing, nevertheless believe, or as First Peter puts it, you know, you have, you have not seen him, but you love him and believe in him, right? Um, yeah, and this, I guess it's worth noting that John doesn't have the Beatitudes, but this is his little Beatitude, which would fit, you know, instead of having oh, a bunch wow. of Beatitudes, yeah. he just has, he has one other one in chapter 13, but uh, where you just have you know, blessed are those who without believing, oh, excuse me, without seeing, believe. You almost can think that's the big beatitude of the whole yeah. book of John, because it's all about faith. Mm-hmm. John, yeah. right? Yeah. 1 and 13 is the, the, the foot washing. He's like, you know, um, and he gives him the words and says, you know, blessed are you if you do them, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe we cut that out. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how these things work. <laughs> does does he it, cut little things out? Do we throw yeah, in? Or yeah, just, we, just leave in? we just leave in. This, this, oh, is us, this is us conversing over the text. And, and so what comes in? And we might check out what we've said. I mean, there might be things that we've said that, sure. are, that are like, eh, you might run with it. And then when you find it, like, those guys were wrong. Like, that that really could happen. Yeah, and one of yeah, and part of our that not, that will happen if you actually do that. There's certainly something baloney in here. And, and uh yeah, I mean, part of our vision of this was like, well, you know, I, I remember when I was in seminary um, and when I would have preaching to do, um, I would always be talking about the text with my friends, you know. But then when I was, you know, uh, pastoring without that, you know, mm-hmm. conversation, yeah. you know, and that always kind of got me going, you know. So these are just initial hunches, you know, you yeah, really got to do your a, own stuff. But. It is. It's, 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 a, it's an inductive study. It's just, it's a, how does the text strike us? How does it impact us? And hopefully we're bringing things that we've studied along the way and, and years of preaching. But at the same time, there's stuff that we're going to miss too, right? We might say things that are wrong or that have hunches that aren't there. I mean, we might have, uh, we might miss some things that other people yeah. just get inspired. And, and it really is, it really is a, 
that introductory moment of just like opening up on Monday and saying, okay, you know, on the seventh, on the seventh or on the first day of the week, <laughs> yeah, I've got to right, preach again, right? right? On the first right, day of the week, I've got to preach again. And, and maybe this is, this is a way to, to jump into that, that first conversation. Yeah. So if you were to, um, if you were preaching this Sunday, maybe you just found out you're filling in, right? And you just read this text. What, what, where do you think you might go? Again, you'd want to confirm some hunches yeah. for your study, but what might be an idea? Just throw out an idea. I think, I think the first one, I think what, what catches me, there's a great, there's a great phrase. Uh, I can't, uh, I can't think of the, the preaching, uh, Richard Lisher, that's his name. He's, he says, uh, you have to find the winkle of the passage and says winkle is the German word for wrestle. Uh, I think that's right. Maybe that might be one of the hunches. It's way wrong, but he calls it the winkle <laughs> of the passage. And he said, that's the, that's the preaching part of the passage. It just leaps out at you that mm-hmm. you have to, to get on that. And I think, I think that for me, what stands out to me as I'm reading this is, um, Jesus saying to put your finger here, see my hands, reach mm-hmm. out your hand, put it on my side, stop doubting and believe, or sorry, stop disbelieving and believe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Thomas's response is not to touch. He just, he just says it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like I'm going in, right? He, he, he is jumping in. And what you said, the, the shift that Thomas makes, the courage that he has is to be with them again. And I'm thinking of, of Jesus honoring that courage and showing up. And then what Thomas said he needed, he actually doesn't need to believe. There, there's something in there that I would, that, huh. that I'm, I think, and there's, there's some good news there for a person who has dragged themselves to church for maybe the first time in a long time because they're like, well, I went to church on Easter. Maybe I better go back. Huh. Or, or they just, maybe they just, they are, maybe they've been there every single Sunday, but they've just started to drown things out. And there's just something about their pattern of life that they say, no, I'm going to church. This is what, this is part of my life. This is what I do. Maybe Jesus will show up again. And, and I think just preaching that, I think that would capture how I want to preach it is that Jesus honors that courage just to show up and to keep people looking and seeing, and then be willing to be surprised that what you think you need to have faith inspired you actually don't need. Mm. And there might be, it might just catch you by the heart and the faith might grip you and, and off you are into mission then, right? Like then off you are into, into confessing he really is Lord and God. Yeah. My, uh, my winkle this week is, uh, (laughs) I have an old one that actually folds into yours so well, so I won't run with it, which is just that transition from him not being with them to being yeah. with them, you know, that's so yours played really well into that. Um, one of the things that really caught my eye this time was the way Jesus repeats the peace be with you. Mm. You know, that's just a standard greeting, but he appears and his first word is peace yeah. be with you. Yeah. And when they saw his hands and his feet, um, or decide, excuse me, uh, you know, which, you know, by the way, is the thing that Thomas wanted to see. So he's only asking for what they got. And they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So they're rejoicing. And then it says, then he said to them again, peace be with you. And then proceeds to commission them and pour out his spirit and grant them authority to forgive. And like, why the repeat, you know, like I'm wondering, I feel like here's the thought that is again, it's not, it's not fully formed sermon. It's kind of a angle that I could run with, 
is when Jesus speaks to us, we hear just the thing we want to hear, you know, oh, hi, you know, he's saying hi. And it's like he pauses and says, says the thing again to remind us this is important, you know. And I remember how many times he talked about my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you back in chapter 14 and 16. Mm. Not as the world gives, right? Here, I'm the, you know, mm. I am the one who gives you peace, right? And initially it's just, yay, right? And he wants, and actually even says, I will appear to you and you will rejoice. And here they do, they rejoice, right? But it, it seems to me that so often the Lord has said something to me that I was like, thanks, you know, like I had that kind of cool God spoke, right? And how I have to, how often then, sometimes years later, like I'll be in a rut of some kind or in a struggle of some kind and he'll speak to me and something will come and there'll be this moment of recognition. I'm like, dang it, you told me that two years ago, and it, but it didn't sink in then. It was just this cool thing. But that, that your words, Lord, are just full of grace and truth, you know, and they, they, that I know at least for me, because I'm a greedy little bugger, right? I always want more, you know, like if God spoke to me yesterday, I want to hear something new today, not just hear him again. I want to hear something new. Like I'm always moving. What's the next thing? Next thing. Next thing. I'm very uh, avaricious in that regard. And I think a lot of us can be that way. And what does it mean to be ready to receive Christ's word again, the same exact thing again. And who knows, maybe that's just Easter. Maybe that's mm. what Easter season is all about is we've heard it before and we need to hear it again, you know, again and yeah. again, because it's, there's always something deeper there. Yeah. That'd be something I might run with a little winkle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, that's the gospel of John is that they've, their gospels are are there and there's some familiarity at least with with other gospels that are are written to whom john is writing and yet he takes the time to reflect again on what has already been heard and and not just from jesus but from the old testament right mm -hmm. like he goes back to genesis he's isaiah is 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 replete through the gospel of john it's just it's just present he's not just reflecting on jesus although he is he's reflecting on god's word Hmm. in creation is reflecting on, hmm. on the prophet Isaiah and the, and the good news that would come. And it, that's just such an important exercise of, of not just demanding a new, a new word, but cherishing the word that is already present to us and, and reminding ourselves what I was saying, God, what, what did you say to me? Right. What, what did you hear? I think that's a spiritual, hmm. I think it's a, a necessary spiritual exercise, especially in times of, of dryness or dark or in that in between space of that, of Thomas, you know, if, if we're in those disbelieving moments of Thomas between other people have experienced Jesus, I'm pretty confident I'm going to experience him again, but there's that week in between where you're just kind of feeling, mm. man, where, where, where is a word is a dry time or, or when's he going to show up is to, is to hold on to and latch on to what did he already say to us? What did he already say that I can reflect on again? And, and maybe, maybe hear him again in that, word that old word in a fresh yes, way yes as christ says in chapter 14 and 16 he will remind you the spirit mm. when he comes which is happening here he will remind you of everything that i've said he says that right after saying he will lead you into all truth which is it is he going to tell us new things or is he just going to remind you of what you said yes right it's the same 
right? He doesn't lead us into all truth by adding something to the yeah. gospel words right. of Christ, but by deepening us in our in the meaning and understanding and, and applicability and and uh, uh, infinity of the word that Christ is. That, yeah. that that might be a second winkle that that I'd have then is Thomas's confession of my Lord and my God is to help our people and me to start with me. What's what's my own relevant confession hmm. today? That's because I mean Thomas's words are clearly ones that John has given to him that are applicable in the moment of how do they maintain faith against a, an increasingly uh. violent regime or administration. And that's uh, that's a that's a relevant confession of who Jesus is through through the mouth of Thomas is what's a relevant confession to us today and that's hard work I mean that's the yeah that's the work of theology is okay here's the story this is what the text says it's what it's doing how do I respond to it how does it what is what does it want to do through me what words does it want to give me today that might be another way I'd, I'd uh. preach the text or bring it to a point of of application so to speak yeah. Yeah. How do we say my Lord and my God, 21st century, U.S., Canada, who, who knows where people are listening yeah. from, right? I always got to throw Canada in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how long it's been. I need to, does it say how long it's been gone? I think we've been going about 30 minutes. Oh, boy. Should I do, I've got a, I've got a poem. Oh, <laughs> poem. Poem us out. Okay. This is from Kent Ira Groff. Facing east, praying west. This guy took a 30-day retreat uh, through Ignatius spiritual exercises, but he did it in India, and so he he was able to experience a lot of the the. Hey, and I didn't even think about that, but the, the Thomas <laughs> Christian connection it makes it even more fitting. So here's a poem he wrote connected to resurrection, um, and so we'll we new close with this. So this is this is called Healing Wounds. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. John 20, 26. That's not the poem. He, that's the Bible. All right, here's the poem. <laughs> I tried for years to heal with scars, but love's wounds run deep. Then one appeared who knows such pain as will remain forever open, yet life-giving, all-forgiving. Peace be with you, comes love's refrain. I will gladly keep these wounds if you will only use my vulnerable self as strength for giving others faith and hope and love at length. Shall we in there? Yeah, I think so. Let us maybe let us, let us know what people thought of the podcast today, of what yeah. fresh text was was like, and yeah, and we're hoping it won't just be the two of us. We were just getting it started, uh, so we'll if you guys are digging it, we'll uh, hopefully have some rotation of guests, and it should be fun. Let us know how you dig. Preach well, everybody. Have a good have a good week. <laughs> Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.